Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to a March edition of Tej Talks. I mean, it's March edition, it's just in March. Paul Wilkins is on the show today. And, uh, you know, he's not got 200 properties or 100 properties. He's got five rent to rents. And I think it's really important that I speak to people like this because we have people on the show who have loads of properties and are very, very financially stable. Um, and that's not to say that Paul isn't, you know, four grand a month net income, which he stresses is not fully passive. It's still a business, you know, is, is very good. It's almost double the UK annual salary, I think. Um, but it's great to have people like this on because you get to sort of see someone who is five steps away from you, right? You see someone who's got 50 rent events, you think, oh, that, like, that's someone achievable. You know, they're so systemized. They know everyone in the area. You know, they've got it all sorted. See someone five, you're like, okay, that's closer to where I am. It's more relatable. It's more kind of like, cool, let me see what you're doing because I'm going to be at that level soon. And then I can get to 50. So it's nice to kind of see people at various different stages of their property journeys or careers because it really does still help us. Paul's very honest. Um, just wait till the end when I ask him what his uh, favorite app or resource or platform is. You're going to love his answer. <laughs> so look, without further ado, here we go. Yeah, I'm back again. Please leave a review if you're enjoying the podcast. Totally free, no adverts. Um, yeah, iTunes podcast app or on the Facebook page. Any feedback you have, Tej at bricksandmore.co. Yep, it's .co, my cool kid. Um, any feedback, I'd appreciate it. Paul Wilkinson, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast, sir. How are you feeling? Yes, I'm very good, very excited, a little nervous. How are you? I'm good. I'm just coming off the back end of some sort of like virus food poisoning madness of just sleeping for like two days straight. So I'm <laughs> I'm excited to be recording podcasts again and, and talking to you now. You know, for people who don't know you and, you know, you're quite active on Facebook, you're quite active in the, the rent to rent, rent to HMO community. Like, I guess, firstly, tell us what you do right now, but then also tell us the story of kind of what you were doing before you got into property. Okay, cool. So what am I doing right now? I am using the rent to rent strategy to create cash flow per month so I don't have to go to work. And before I started my rent to rent game or anything to do with property, I was a mechanical engineer. So I left school, did my apprenticeship because that was the in thing at the time. It wasn't the worst thing I did, so that was cool. Um, and then I was building satellites for space, which is a very unique job. I've done that all over the country, Spain, France, or different countries, Italy and Germany and Sweden. And my initials, which is a fun fact, are now orbiting planet Mars on a satellite. That is, that is freaking awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. Do you know anyone else that's got that? Uh, you're the first guest on my show who has their initials in space, firstly, but then to be orbiting Mars. Yeah. Listen, that's that's something else, mate. That is, wow. It's that crazy. Is... It is crazy. It sounds really good, but it's it's not too hard. I basically just find a mechanical drawings, fit equipment, uh, 
be really, really clean. Watch, <laughs> watch out for static electricity. That's about it. Watch out for static electricity. Top tip, anyone who's uh, who's working on uh, satellites and space bits. <laughs> um, so then, like, it sounds like an interesting job. Uh, what made you think, hmm, maybe I kind of just want to have freedom and not have to come to work every day? What was that moment or thing that changed? For me, it's not been an epiphany. It's not been an aha. It's been my whole life. Since I left school, I was looking at my mum. No offence to my mum, obviously love her. But she she was going to work a lot of hours, coming home, talking about work. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, why are you doing this? And I've said from a very young age, that's never going to be me. And then my out to get away from that, I used to go travelling a lot. So when I was 19, when I got paid £2,000 for my apprenticeship and I thought, I'm a I'm a big baller, I'm a roller here. So, <laughs> so I quit instantly <laughs> after, I got, after I got my certificates. Went to Thailand for two months with my friend. We were 19, absolutely gobsmacked, even scared to cross the road in Bangkok. So we, we traveled Thailand uh, and then came home. Worked for a couple of years, saved up again, went to Australia for a year, did a year's working visa out there, came home, saved up, went away again. Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, Gili Isles and Bali, came home. Then uh, I never went away again and I've ended up marrying a Thai lady that I met over here. So, yeah. So then you, you saw your mum kind of working these hours and thought that that's not going to be me. You wanted to travel. You have wanderlust and... But then yeah. what, what kind of uh, showed you that property is the way to then live all these things that you want to live and do? What showed me? I'll tell you a story. I went on a stag do when I was 27 or 28, I can't remember exactly, to Prague. And unfortunately, I got arrested over there and I... I spent 17 or 18 hours in a cell, a shared cell. They moved me to a different cell and I was all beaten up in my face, like black and blue. And then somebody came into the cell that I was in, uh, a, a big guy, and he dropped down to his knees and was crying in front of me. And I felt really, really awkward, really ashamed. I didn't want to tell my family, my friends that didn't know about it. And then my dad, my dad's text message, and I always remember it. He wasn't nice to me. He didn't ask me how I was. He just said to me, I hope you spent some time in there to think about what you, what the F you want from your life. That was it. Nothing, nothing else. So then I had to go home, change my mindset. I did that via audiobooks, and I can't recommend audiobooks highly enough. And then basically just listened to one of Rob Moore's. I fell onto it because of Facebook. And then listened to uh, the, the 44 Property Secrets or something like that. And and then he won't tell you it's a good book. He'll tell you it's one of his worst. But it, 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 it meant a lot to me. And I went home, said to my partner at the time, listen, I'm remortgaging the house. I thought, oh, I was expecting an argument. I didn't get one. Took the, took the money out and then went on the search for 
a below market one bedroom rubbish flat and then ended up getting one and it's just gone on from there. And what area do you live and did you invest in then? Portsmouth, South Sea. Okay. So you bought the flat and you still have it to this day? Uh, I don't have it. The idea was to... I've, I got it on a bridging loan. Uh, I used everything I had from the house. I even loaned £3,000 from my friend and two from my mum. Whacked it all in there. Fair play to them for... Um, uh, trusting in me, <laughs> I'd never, I'd never done it before. So I went all in, balls out. Uh, the idea was to refurb it and then refinance it, but because I was on, I can't, I won't mention the bridging loan company, but because the deal was that I'd then go on to a mortgage with them after. When they came back round, they really, in my opinion, lowballed me on the on the revaluation. And to this day, I will always recommend to everyone have more than one exit so i had to sell i was forced and i think i sold it for not enough really because it was sold before it even went on the market on the first viewing but where i was so like oh i need to get the money out so i can pay everything back because i did all my refurb on a virgin media credit card and a halifax (laughs) credit card so i had to pay it back so i did that and then that, that took a whole process from doing my first viewing to getting my money was about nine, ten months. And that's what they don't tell you in these books. That they, they act like it's a, like a every week kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? It, especially when you're starting. So. Mm, absolutely. And how much profit did that make? About 20K. So, you know, I guess that's another thing that people in property do say is that it can be forgiving. As expensive and stressful and, you know, big of a thing it is, you know, that was your first property kind of rushed into it had borrowed money leveraged to your eyeballs with the credit cards but you still made money on profit which yeah it took nine months so you know you're not buying a lamborghini next day but you're still you know you're still making money and i think that's an important point for people to remember like despite what you did you still made money so then you kind of had that experience and like was that a positive experience for you did you think ah you know what this stuff's pretty cool i want to do more or did it did it put you off it certainly didn't put me off I I was in it to do more but my main goal my main goal was to quit having to go to work I hate it I hate everything to do with it I hate turning up I hate seeing the same people talking about the same rubbish every day politics Brexit some ladies just had a baby abroad right not even in the UK and it's everywhere and it just annoys me because everyone wants to talk about that I'm like look after look after yourself so I needed an out and 20k is nice but over 10 months yes you can do it but 20k is not going to last you very long right so I I needed to build cash flow I heard about rent to rent on the 44 property secrets I had no idea what it was so then I joined loads of groups on Facebook and then you know how it is. People start marketing, posting. I got in contact with a guy called Chris Kirkwood, who is a legend, by the way. Big shout out to Chris. Chris. Uh, he, he trained me in Rent to Rent in London uh, February last year, so just over a year ago. And then I got my first deal three weeks after that absolutely pooed my pants because I couldn't remember <laughs> any of the training. I just thought, I'm going to source, 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 got a deal. and was like, uh-oh. So then he, he held my hand until it was full and I paid him to do that. And then just gone on from there, really. And 
So, are you still in Portsmouth? I'm still in Portsmouth, yeah. And all your rent friends are in Portsmouth? They're 20 minutes from my house, all within a two-mile radius of each other. So, that first deal, if... If I'm coming to you and I'm like, all right, when I get into rent to rent, I have, you know, basic knowledge, but I just can't find a deal. And I mean, there's 101 reasons why someone can't. But what are your, if I had to drill you down to like, the, I don't know, three most important things when it comes to finding a rent to rent deal, you can be as niche or as broad as you like. What would you say they are? Okay, so I can only really explain what what I teach because... Otherwise, I don't think it's very ethical. So what what I do for me, I will look within a 20 mile radius of a postcode, doesn't matter where you are in the country, and I will look for a cluster. Uh, That might not make sense to a lot of people, but it does to me, but I don't want to give too much away. So I will look for a cluster and then I will zoom into that cluster and look for properties that suit my spec. And many people do it a different way. And I was actually taught the the residential way, find a room, like a sitting room or a living room, turn that to a bedroom, there's your profit, and then get uh, maybe get plan permission if you need it, and then get a license. But for me, I don't do that. I target properties that are already licensed. So number one, there's a less work, there's less refurb cost. Most of the, the safety standards are already in there, depending on what you get. So I look for something that I can add value to. And most student properties, you can certainly add value to because a lot of them do not look that great. So that is my baseline for what I would look for. And then you would find the supply and demand for tenants because you wouldn't want to find or target an area where you have more rooms available than what there are people looking. So the supply and demand has to be good, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense to you. Yeah, but I mean, on that point, do you use spare room and just compare, which is not always accurate, or do you think there are better ways? Or is it always, you know, still going to be a guesstimate because you can never really know? I would never, ever say it's a guesstimate. You want to try and get as close as you can, but you're not going to get it spot on. And the beauty of it is if you live there, you obviously know more than what I would if I was, I don't know if I came to wherever you live, you know where the hotspots are, where the bars are, the restaurants, the hospitals, the train stations and and everything like that. So you'll you'll have to use what you know in that area already as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, you know, are there some areas where rent to rent rent to rent hmo wouldn't work because the rental prices naturally are so high compared to the room rates or do you think rent to rent could work anywhere maybe not like you know mayfair or something like that but generally speaking do you think rent to rent could work anywhere so i'll tell you another story that i've trained quite a few people now one-to-one and i've never not been able to find them a house but the one person i did I found it harder and she had to travel. She lived in a farm in the middle of Peak District. (laughs) Fair enough. That's it. Everywhere else, it takes me 10 minutes to find a property that would work, that you could potentially send a letter to or call up the agent. 
Okay. So then going back to your your first deal, what were the figures like on that? I aim to make minimum £750 profit per month. Okay. I, I personally like to target five bedroom homes with two bathrooms because I think it's harder to fill a, a larger HMO, especially if it's your first one and you're not perfect at it yet. Not that you ever get perfect. We learn every day, but that one now makes me around £855 a month, I think, when it's full. Okay. And so... How much rent are you paying the landlord a month? On that uh, particular house, I'm paying £1,150 a month. And did you, I mean, is that the market rent or did you negotiate it down because you're guaranteeing it? It's 100% negotiated, yeah. Okay. And, you know, when it comes to negotiating with landlords, I think, you know, when people are new in property investment, they potentially are a bit, a bit fearful of that. They're kind of like, oh, you know, why would they accept less from me when they've got a HMO full of people or, you know, they've got a single let with these people? Like, how did you convince HMO landlords that you're going to pay them probably quite a bit less than they could earn and that they should work with you? Okay, so that was me not long ago. I can still remember it. So that was March time for me last year. So basically a year ago. So I know exactly how everyone else feels. And this particular property on Rightmove only had a picture of the front of the house, which to me tells a story straight away, right? So then you pinged out a letter to them, which was direct to vendor. The, the landlord then gave that letter to the agent and the agent called me. And then I went round the property. I had a look and there was service mold in there. There was bed bases stacked up in and a fridge. A fridge freezer laying down in the communal area it's a massive house it had two communal areas but you've got to look at a property i'd say the most important thing is space how big are the rooms because the bigger the room is potentially the more you can charge rent because at the end of the day if there's no structure work all you have to do is to make it look make it look pretty so i knew for a fact especially because of the state of that property Nobody is going to walk in there and rent it, not even a student. There wasn't even room for them. There was just just rubbish everywhere. So what does that tell you about that landlord? Oh, that they're lazy, they're not bothered, they just want an income, assumedly, or they want to get rid of it. Now, if you remember, I told you that I sent the letter to the landlord and then he sent it to his agent. So answer again, what does that tell you? Who's lazy, the landlord or the agent? Well sounds like the landlord well for me i'd say the agent because that landlord's paying that agent right so that agent is looking after that property for him and they've given it to someone who's not looked after it so then i've come in with a, a product that i believe is great and then because that landlord has a problem which is what you look for and that it's down to you to solve that problem and if you send out a direct to vendor letter and you get a call back, in my opinion, if you don't get that booking or at least get a booking or a potential deal, that's on you. That's your fault because you, you haven't you haven't learned how to sell. OK, but if there was a HMO and I guess this is something that isn't really talked about is that you are targeting those who have a problem now. If, if a HMO landlord kind of 
contacted you back just because he was oh you know what i've got this this note let me just have a have a chat with him but he you know he she didn't necessarily have a problem they just thought let's see what you can offer in those cases where you're like i'm gonna offer you less than market rent but you're kind of comfortably ish bringing in market rent would you just kind of say to them look i can't help you right now because i'm going to offer you way less or would you still try and make a deal happen even if they don't have a big problem to fix that makes sense okay so when i first started when somebody this is these are the questions that if you're going to go direct to vendor you're going to get asked on the phone not every time but there will be i'd say at least one in three will say to you what can you give me how does it work how do you make your money how much are you going to give me and how are you going to make me reduce my price so what's the worst thing you can do on that phone call you tell me <laughs> i want to try and ask you so the worst thing that you can do and i know this because i did it and i trained one of your friends who told me that he did the same thing is give them a figure that's the worst thing you can do because at they're not just buying your product when you meet them face to face they're buying you so you have to think of something that you kind of acknowledge that they've given you a question but you don't answer the question so i would say something not something i now say exactly these words if they say to you how much you're going to give me how do you make your money how, like, are you going to make me reduce my price? I will say, bearing in mind, I know that they can't rent their property out, so I know there's a problem. I'd say it's very hard for me to give you an exact figure of what I can give you. I would love to come around and view the property because I work on things like sizes of the rooms and what the property looks like. I would then, I would then come away. I would give you a proposal, and if both parties feel fair exchange then we can come to a deal sound fair enough yeah i remember i remember one the person you trained telling me that if i got the right person yeah absolutely i remember that that's it's like not showing your cards right but and and he, and he said to me you know i had some landlords like i think said to him okay bye i don't really care tell me a number and we were like well that's cool then because that's not the kind of people you want to work with and who knows give it a month or two and they can't rent it like you said they're probably going to call you back and going to want to meet, right? So that's another thing for people, right? Is that just because you get a no today doesn't mean a no tomorrow or in a, or in a week, right? Um, 100%. 100%. So, it can mean not yet. Yeah, well, exactly. So you had that first deal. And now, so that was about March time last year. We're in sort of March now. So it's been a year. How many rent to rents do you currently have under your control? Five. So... Do you think going from one to five in 12 months is achievable by everyone? Do you think people could do way more? You can definitely do better. I know people that have done better. Okay. And what is the single biggest lesson that you've learned going from zero to five rent to rents? Like, what do you kind of look back at now and think oh my god how like how did I do that before like I, I'm such a you know I'm so smooth at doing that now what's that one thing the one thing I've learned selling learn to sell how did you learn to sell audiobooks name some that have helped you the way of the wolf 
So for some people, they'd say that's, is that what's his name? Jordan Belfort's book. For sure. And would you say the way he sells is not the nicest way of selling? I'm only going off reputation of that he has. I'd say in the past, but what I just said to you, do you think that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. And then if you're face to face with a, a landlord, you've gone around to the property and you want to find out their problems, you tell me what you think sounds nicer. What what's, what what's your problem? Tell me your problems. Or you can say, do you mind if I ask you a few questions so I can tailor make my product to help suit you best? That's polite, right? Yeah, yeah of course. Who's going to say no to that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then fire away. And as soon as you say, have you, uh, how long have you been doing it for? Do you use students? If they have a problem, they will tell you straight away because humans like to talk about what problems they have. And mm-hmm. then as soon as you know the problems, then you pitch your product to solve their problems. And then that's it. You're polite. You've turned up smart. You're solving their problems. You believe in your product. You have a great product. Uh, another person that I love is called Grant Cardone. I just went to the 10X conference and he's got some great audiobooks as well. And it's, it's £10 to learn something that you don't know. And I believe even if you take one thing away from it, £10, nothing. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Education is super important. And I think it's that kind of classic sales model of find the problems, offer to fix the problems you're going to sell, right? A lot of salespeople, even today, like when people try and sell things to me or I work with other recruiters and they just talk, 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 say, this is what we do. This is what we're going to give you. And I'm like, but I don't want that. Like you haven't exactly. found out exactly like, like what exactly. I want. So five rent to rents, how much passive income is this bringing you a month? Around 4K. So 4K a month over a year is a very good amount. Um, It's almost double the UK average salary, roughly. One thing I will say, it's not passive. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell me more about that. Okay, so in in my opinion, passive is an overused word, and I don't, I'm not even sure it exists because if you have to sign your end of year tax, it's not passive, is it? Mm-hmm. Passive is you've done nothing for it. So even if you outsource as much as you can, you can't just forget about it and it's just going to run tickety boo it's your business you've got you've got you've got check even if you're just checking data or whatever then it's not passive because you're doing something towards it so yeah that's that's how i feel but do you feel property and obviously your strategy is one of many but do you feel that like rent to rent as a strategy is still more passive than working a nine-to-five job you can certainly make it very passive and you don't need a lot so what I'm going to do my target is to get seven and then I at the minute because my face is on Facebook quite a lot I get a lot a lot of messages from VAs and PAs that want to try and get my business and the the most annoying thing doing this is even though that's how you make your money is tenants because um, you only hear from that tenant when they have a problem and because you you try your best, you make the rooms look amazing. And most of the time they're nice and most of the problems are not their fault. But it can still be like, ugh. So you can literally get somebody, this is what I'm going to do anyway, and say to your tenants, do not contact me 
unless there's a big problem like a fire or I don't know a massive leak, then you can give like a VA or PA all of your contacts. So I can give them two electricians, two plumbers, two chippies, and then when the tenant has a problem, they call her or him then they can arrange for somebody to go and fix that problem and you get an email every Sunday at 8 p.m. or whatever just to let you how let you know how things are going and then for me that that's that's the bit that I don't really enjoy sort it out and then I can focus on getting more and sourcing which and filling which is at the end of the day it's where you make your money right yeah absolutely and I think that kind of outsourcing is great because I don't know anyone who enjoys that kind of management aspect of it but obviously to note it's going to cost you more money your profit will be reduced but your time profit and your freedom slash life profit goes up right so it, it really depends what people want like some people will do that to have the extra however many quid it is but when you think about this early on I guess it's about your why you know like why are you doing property if it's purely for money even if it's purely for money, like you just said, by taking this boring stuff off that doesn't make money, it allows you to then focus on tasks that make money. So I think it's hard to get your head around, especially if you come from a nine to five job. It's like, oh, I got to spend money to take to give me time to make more money to then spend. So it's kind of a it's something that's difficult for people, I think, when you transition out of a job into being self-employed. Um, so with these these five rent rents, how have you sourced them all? Has there been a variety or? I've got four direct to vendor, one, no, two for an agent, three direct to vendor. And direct to vendor, you know, I think you mentioned it before, you find your clusters, look at HMO registers, send out kind of direct to, to vendor letters. I mean, what's your response rate like? If you, I mean, give me, could you give an example of like, I don't know, a time you sent out X many leaflets and got X many sure. responses? Sure, I can give you the exact figure. So I sent out, uh, it's all over Facebook, so anybody can go and look at it. I sent out, well, me and my wife, we sent out 277 letters. And I got 12 people respond to me. So that's a 4.33%. It's pretty good. And out of those people who responded, how many turned into a deal? Two. And was that two because only two of them were right for you? Or... Like, what made the others not a good deal for you? I viewed two others, and the others, once I had these two signed up, I just, I don't have the manpower to be able to take on more. Mm -hmm. And your your letters, are you handwriting the letters within the, the envelope as well? No, I just write the envelope. But on the envelope, I don't address it to dear Mr. Wilkinson or Mr. Paul Wilkinson. I just put Paul and then the address then the stamp. I use a C5 red envelope because then when it's on the floor, it stands out, right? And then my idea behind it is I want it to make it look like it is potentially sent from someone that they know. And admittedly, most people will be gutted when they open it and they see it's from you. But uh, that that's the idea. That's the barrier. As long as you get that opened, then that's one nil to you, in my opinion. Mm. And is you know what's your i know you know the reason for going d to v when buying houses and when you know you get to deal with the vendor so it's just it's generally easier but i also know people in rent to rent who have almost all their deals from agents what's stopping you or if anything 
from kind of for also using agents to kind of say look this is what i want just get it for me kind of thing okay so i believe that i know who you're talking about uh he's a good guy uh so uh i actually consider my first one a direct vendor as well because he got the letter and then gave it to the agent and then yeah and then that agent that he gave it to because i did a good job i sent him the photos i got him a a card and a bottle of champagne they then gave me my second one so i have got relationships with an agent but i just find it a lot easier to negotiate with direct vendor because number one and i don't want to dis to discriminate if that's the right word to about agents because a lot of them are great but a lot of them are not and i feel that number one you don't know if that agent can sell because at the end of the day, they're selling your product, not you. Uh, every time you call them, you get, oh, he's just popped out the office. He's just gone to the lunch at the minute. And it. I've got a tip as well to get over that. Instead of saying, hey, it's Paul. Is it possible to speak to John, please? Literally pick up the phone and say, hey, it's Paul for John. And I'd say 80% of the time you will get through to that person. So that's another little nugget right there. But I just find it a lot easier. You can negotiate zero deposit, uh, one month's free rent. You can negotiate, uh, do they want to contribute towards the maintenance that you want to do because you've got great ideas. I've had people pay me 1,500 quid because I wanted to rip out a bath, put a shower in and stuff like that. So it's a lot easier for you to build that relationship up with that landlord. And in my opinion, if you have that relationship with the landlord, then they're more likely going to re-sign or hopefully, potentially be open to a purchase lease option in the future. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to rent to rent, like it's often kind of cited as, you know, the kind of, as well as kind of deal packaging, a uh, a low barrier to entry in terms of, you know, to buy a house, you need 25% of the purchase price, which in the cheapest of places is double digits for the deposit I, I believe yeah so like how much do you put in on these rent to rents of your own money or your you know something that comes from you to edit them and make them pretty and all sorts of stuff what's your kind of average input cost it completely depends on what house you get because the last two that i got which is Portsmouth's biggest investor, by the way. Nice. And he said to me that if you do a good job, I'm going to feed you. So that's, <laughs> that's, that is the golden nugget of direct to vendor. You do not know who you're going to send that letter to. So anyway, back to your question. Mm -hmm. It depends, but his last two properties just had new carpet, new deco and brand new furniture put in. So I didn't really need to spend a lot. So I said, I'll put in a brand new kitchen for you. And you tell me what, what agent on the street will go up to a landlord and say, I'll put in a brand new kitchen for you. <laughs> they barely take good photos, mate, let alone put in a brand <laughs> new kitchen. Exactly that. And that's another thing you can play on. These guys are taking the photos. They're getting paid to take photos of absolute cluttered houses. So you're just going to, you're already better than most people. You just got to believe in yourself. But before that, before that, that's maybe a different, maybe a special example. Before that, I'd usually spend around 6K. But on my first property, like I told you, I had a, a, a £10,000 Halifax card that was in, interest-free for three years. 
So I I just whacked everything on that. And I don't really work on a figure. Like I wouldn't say 6K, 5K. I work on that. What do I think that I can get when that property is full? And then I times it by six. And then I work out that the first six months of that contract, that's when either they'll pay me back, pay Lloyd's back, pay Halifax, pay your mum, pay your investor, I don't care, whatever. That's when you that that's how you get your no money down deal, which really I think is a weird statement because even though I should I should think it should be called not not like not your own money down deal rather than no money because it's still money, isn't it? It's just not yours. Yeah. Ah. So have you ever needed to find an investor or was, you know, Barclays and Halifax and Virgin Money your investors? The only reason why I think you can for me, could at the minute, the only reason why or that I'd find it beneficial to get an investor would be just for the relationship because at the end of the day, they're going to want something back. But if it's an interest-free loan, which an interest-free credit card over three years is, then you don't have to pay that extra interest. So for me, I don't see the point. And at some point, maybe in the future, I will start trying to get investors. But yeah, I just think the only reason why I do that is for a relationship, which is fair enough if that's, if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Okay. And then my next question is is one that um maybe slightly controversial, but you know, whatever. Say so we both say how it is. Now, so you have five rent to rents and you're also a trainer, right? You travel the country, like I saw your schedule, literally training like everyone all the time, right? So you are busy and you're very active. Now, there's some people who would say, Well, hold on a minute, you got five rent to rents, you're not exactly, you know, Rob Moore, you're not exactly you know, people on this podcast who have like 150 property, like they would say, oh, you're not super experienced. Like, why are you training? Right. And people, you know, you'd call them haters. But what is your response to that? I wouldn't call them haters. And I can see why they say that. And I would have probably said that before I started training. But the reason why I started was because everybody was asking me what I do. So... I was so desperate to quit work and this was a way that I could and now I'm loving it. People are getting deals. James and Emma got their first deal two weeks and four days after and now you've asked me that question. Let me ask you a question. Has Jose Mourinho ever been a really top professional footballer? I only know football by playing FIFA but I'm going to say no is he one of the world's most successful managers that's won everything i believe so there you go and also i'd say for me i wouldn't i can't teach somebody who wants to be a multi-millionaire or billionaire because i haven't done that myself and i can see that but why can't i teach someone how to get five rent to rent because i know how to do it yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. I think you're always five, ten, fifteen steps ahead of someone, so you can always help. You know, even if you had one rent to rent and I have zero, and I came to you, you know, you could still help me, whether it's official or not. So, no, look, I, I totally agree with you. Um, but when it comes to training, as you know, there are. 101 trainers out there who do one-on-ones who do group who have big big companies for you you know like and this is not a kind of tell me why you're amazing but like 
<laughs> why how do people know which trainers to go for you know who to use for me it, it will come down to when they watch your videos do they relate to you and me as a person i'm not going to relate to everyone because i'm not i don't wear a suit i'm not like really well spoken i just speak how i want to speak uh, i can be quite controversial i do enjoy throwing stones but i'm very honest and it's very transparent and i believe not just believe that's why a lot of people do come to me because when they message me they do say ah oh, i like the way you talk it sounds like you're not too salesy they love the fact that when they come to me there is no upsell so when they pay that money i genuinely give them everything i know i give them 100% and they get to keep everything i have there's no there's no upsell at the end with friends at the end i'd say to them they can have me on whatsapp for a month after i'm the kind of guy that just i'm too soft i'm still getting messages like way after and i'm not saying give give me 300 pounds i do it because i can relate to that and i, sh I sh they can probably relate to me kind of like why you did this podcast you you don't want to always listen to somebody who's got millions and billions because it's very easy for them to say certain stuff and outsourcing everything is one of them. How can you outsource something when you don't have any money? It's impossible, right? Exactly. So that's what I'd say. Like you have to build that cash flow first, know how to systemize something, and then you can pay someone. But if you're getting 800 pound a month, and then you're paying someone to do something, you're all of a sudden you're not getting eight hundred pounds a month. So so it, it that's why people come to me, I think. And I believe that I can teach the country and I am teaching the country and they are successful and I love doing it. And I've had arguments with people that are probably more successful than me and bigger than me, but at the end of the day, they're waking up and thinking of me, so that's all I care about. <laughs> and what is what is maybe the one thing that annoys you most about the property industry uh i wanted to swear then sorry <laughs> i would say the amount of rubbish that gets touted around and the, and the upsell and when you say rubbish do you mean like bad like people giving like miseducation or do you mean people selling things well, but because I've learned quite a bit about selling now, so I went to the 10X conference, I bought a course, and I know quite a lot about like the funnels, the sales, and like if somebody's going to offer you something for free, it's it's free for a reason. It's to get you to get you somewhere else, to get your details, or to sell you something at the end of that. And it's true. How many courses now? I come to my free day, and then I charge you 10k. No, actually, I'll, I'll charge you 2K to join join it. I, I promise you I'll teach you everything about it. And then I'll charge you 10K at the end of that when there's, uh, I've just paid you 2K to learn about it. How, how many people are doing that? Exactly. So I'm here to, uh, to make a stand against that. I want to teach people everything they know. And if they, if they pay me to teach them, I will give them everything they know. There is no upsell hashtag no upsell <laughs> hashtag no upsell you cool. know it. so what are you doing next in in property like are you you know going to keep doing rent to rent until a certain number you're going to start buying some or what's on the horizon 
So most people use rent to rent as a foundation. Uh, other people don't. I know a guy in London that's got over 100 and his target is 500. Can you imagine that? He's got over 100. He's making well over 90k a month on property <laughs> that he doesn't own. Crazy. Have you ever Googled the word entrepreneur? Uh, you know what? I, to, to, to make sure my spelling was correct. Yeah, I have. Yeah, that, that's exactly why I did it. But it, the word entrepreneur, if you Google it, it says someone who creates a business takes on financial risk in hope of profit. And if if that doesn't describe rent to rent, then I don't know what is. Mm, okay. So my ne- my main goal now, I have something that's cooking. You may have seen with a guy called Napa. I met him. Yep. Nice guy. Love him. Yep. Yeah. Very, very nice guy. And uh, a guy called Ben Wolford. And I have now listened to an audio book called The Fast Lane Millionaire. And he said something in there that just this gave me an epiphany. Like I was like, oh, my God, this is what we need to do. And he said the words to make millions, you need to serve millions. And and that related to me. So we got something cooking. Uh, the core of it is going to be made next month. And it's going to be coming out. There's going to be no upsell. And we're, we're hoping that it can help a lot of people become financially independent. And then with the main goal, the same as me, to become financially free. And anybody can do it. Okay. Yeah, you mentioned this to me before. Um, and Napa mentioned it when I met him as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to what comes out the kitchen. You know, I'm I'm excited. <laughs> so you know, everyone keep an eye on on Paul's Facebook and and let let's see what comes out. You know, because I hope it's Master Chef quality, not like Bake Off Amateur Hour. So you know, it's coming. I fancy, <laughs> I fancy myself as a good cook as well. So. Oh well, there, there we go. There, mate. We'll have to we'll have to keep an eye on that. So my last question before we go to the uh, quick fire round is. Is there a resource or platform or bit of technology that you just can't live without? Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I would say spare spare room. Okay, cool. And uh, most people listening will know what spare room is. If you don't check it out, it's it's like uh, the right move rental section, but for HMOs, right? For, yeah. for shared accommodation. Yeah, it's not just like the main one. I'd say that most of the people that message you on there, they will actually turn up and they legitimately want a room because we use we do use Gumtree and Facebook, but without sounding disrespectful, it always seems to be a problem or they won't turn up or uh, because I, I try and charge high for my rooms because I make them look great. So uh, you have to be a certain... Oh, I can't, I'm going to get some thrones thrown at me for saying this here. You have to be a certain calibre to be able to, re- to rent those rooms. So... Uh, Paul's views represent him, not Tej Talks Limited. Thank you. Um, so we're on to the quickfire round. So what are the biggest three mistakes that you have made so far? The biggest three mistakes. I didn't start soon enough. Paying for poor training. And not going with my gut feeling on a tenant over a reference. Okay, cool. Yep, I respect gut feelings big time. So, and then I guess kind of similar to that on the other end, what are your top three tips for people who are new uh, in rent to rent? 
decide exactly what you want. And this is a massive cliche. Everybody says, write your goals down or whatever. And then that will probably lead you on to some upsell thing. But it's so true. Writing your goals down. And I, about, I don't know, maybe 10 months ago, I saw a video from Doug James. I don't know if you know him. I've never met him. But he'd said, write your goals down on a postcard and um, speak to yourself like five years in the future. So I've got my goal or what I've written down in front of me here. Is there enough time for me to read it? I put, this is March 2018. Hey, Paul, it's Paul here five years from now. I want to say that I love this life out here in Australia. The £20,000 per month income has really let gift, which is my wife and your two children. I don't have any children. Lead a fantastic and rich life. The love is huge. We love our family home. And Doug, which is my dog, loves his new brother. Gift's mum, which is, my wife's not called Gift. Her name's Suratana, but that's like a nickname for her. Her mum and family love their new home in, beautiful, in a beautiful spot in Thailand. One of my goals is to build a home, a villa in Thailand which you visit at least twice per year and travel first class. That's now changed. I want a, a chartered jet. Your nephews are doing well in their private school and your mum and dad really appreciate their retirement income. I cannot wait to see you here in five years or less to discuss our next successful move to make more money. I love you loads, Paul. And something like that, and you stick it in front of you, that's that's the sort of stuff that would keep you going when you really don't want to. Mm. I love that. It's kind of like a, a vision board from the future, but in words, and it kind of takes you mentally, emotionally, spiritually to a place that you want to be. And yeah, dude, that's that's something, you know, the whole goal setting, looking in the future, having that vision is going to keep you passionate when you're feeling least passionate and keep you energized when you're feeling the most tired. So exactly. But mm. you have to want it. It has to come from your gut. Mm. It can't come from your head and your heart. You have to generally want it. You have to generally picture it. I've talked to my friends and whatever, and I generally get teary sometimes. I'm like, I can see it. I look at million pound houses on Rightmove, and I, I don't think, oh, like that's miles away. I, I get, I smile because I think I know that if I keep doing what I'm doing, I've built something in like a year, and I'm no one. I'm no, I'm no better than anyone else. So anybody can do this. It's just wanting to do it and then decide what you want and then the next point sorry i'm talking too much here the next point is what can you do to get there so is it capital gain is it cash flow then you need to find a strategy not doesn't have to be property that can give you that to get you moving forward towards that goal and that's it get trained get some education and then take massive action. That's another thing that's overused. Take action. But if you take an action in the wrong way, then don't take action. So, yeah. yeah. No, no, I appreciate that. Once you make those goals, you have to deconstruct them backwards to activities, you know, monthly, daily, however people want to do it to get you to your goal or else you don't know what the hell you're doing every day. That, that's interesting you mentioned that right move thing because I used to look at houses on right move of like 800 grand and be like, oh man, like you know oh you know on my little nine to five salary i hope i can get this and now like i look at 10 15 million pound houses and i literally don't even <clears throat> like bat an eyelid and like people around me would look at it and say oh dude like oh, oh man 15 like oh, i wish i could you know own that or like oh man you know that's and i'm like why can't you like i will like why, why can't you like who am i who are you? like we're just people so i think it's that mindset shift like that abundance mindset that's like 
whatever like it's 50, 15 million 10 whatever like if i want it i'll have it like simple it, it sounds like cocky to people who don't if 100%. i said that to like my colleagues in my contract who are like sort of normal you know nine to five whatever it would sound cocky but saying it to you or anyone on, on kind of the entrepreneur thing it's they're like yeah cool man do it i'll, I'll you know i'll visit when you got it like you know what i mean so exactly that i wouldn't say that i'd say tell me how you done it i want to learn <laughs> can you train me well there we go then that's that's the kind of learning mindset right so my last question and last quick fire round is because you said you like audible and, and listening to audiobooks so much what have been your top three audiobooks that you think everyone needs to read now or listen to wow that's like asking me my favorite michael jackson song i can't pick one <laughs> um uh, you, you might not like it but i've got to say the way of the wolf is definitely one of them oh uh, no that's cool okay uh be obsessed or be average by grant cardone grant cardone yep come on man don't disrespect that man <laughs> and uh for me uh is it the millionaire fast lane or yeah the millionaire fast lane or the fast lane millionaire i can't remember the way it's worded but that one for me has now created what i'm doing with ben and napa and it's just massive like it cost me 10 pound and potentially i could make uh well i want to make i want to be a millionaire by the end of the year and then we do another podcast <laughs> yeah man for sure well look best of luck with that and i know it's going to work out man the the confidence and um knowledge and experience and mindset that you and napa and, you know have is is going to get you there mate so let's do it and that, now you've said it you know everyone's going to hold you accountable so yeah, yeah. well people fail don't they so yeah well that. that's true that's true but you know make sure you're you're on the right track as you're heading there look Paul, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think it's been a, a real, real insight into to rent to rent your story, the kind of way you like to source and, and the kind of pros and cons on that. So thanks for being honest and, and sharing who you are and, and what you kind of do. And if people want to get hold of you after the podcast, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Facebook Messenger. Okay, awesome. Paul Wilkinson, uh, you will find him you'll find him on Facebook. Well, awesome. Look, Paul, thanks again. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.